0: So, this morning, I just get real right off the bat here, right flat out from the start. Is it just me? I know I've had conversation with family members and and other people lately. Is it just seem like everything feels more difficult right now? Even the most common, everyday things. It feels like it's so much struggle just to do regular things. Is anybody else feeling that? Is it just me? I don't, I mean, you can come up with a hundred excuses as to what's going on and why it is, but it seems like even just everyday things that we've done forever just seem like a lot of work right now. And I can't put my finger just on exactly the right reason. But the other thing we talked about was, were we always this busy? Were we always this busy, or is it because last year didn't have so much going on that it seems busier, or is it because last year didn't have so much going on that we made this year way busier, but it just seems like everywhere you go, there's just constantly something going on, and right when you get finished with something, something else has started, and you got to keep moving and keep going, and there just doesn't seem to be any downtime any. Of the quiet time that Jenny was talking about where you can just focus on the Lord and what we're supposed to be doing. What I want to talk about this morning is distractions. Where is our focus and are we allowing distractions around us to pull our focus away? Where is your focus? That's my message this morning. If You noticed we already, we've had issues with my PowerPoint. Throughout, you have saw this pop up a few times. Did it distract you from what was going on? That was not intentional, but it happened. Where is your focus this morning? Focus is very important in, in even the most common things that we do. Okay? You have to pay attention where you're going when you're walking. You have to focus. If you're going to be talking and doing this the whole time, you're going to trip over something. You're going to run into something. Um, When I was driving over here this morning, I'm going, you know, when you're driving, you focus on where you're going. You don't focus right in front of you. So I purposely looked right in front of me for about a block, and it scared me to death. (laughs) Because I'm like, am I going to run into something? What's, What's up ahead? Is my focus right here? When I'm driving, I've got to be looking at the destination. And then I deal with things as I come across them. If I look straight down, there might be a curve and I might go the wrong way. There might be uh, something sitting in the middle of the road or a stop sign and I'm not prepared for it. We have to keep our focus out ahead of us. So how does it work when we're serving God? Our focus has got to be on Him all the time. No matter where we are in life, no matter what we're going through, our focus has got to be on Jesus. Look at what it says in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. It's not just in the Old Testament either. We see it in Proverbs. It's not just the Old Testament. If you look in the New Testament, Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. Then if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. So I'll ask you again this morning, Where is your focus? Are you focused on the things of this world? Things like money and clothes and possessions, those kind of things. Or are you focused on Jesus and letting Him supply your needs as you give Him full control of your life? It's not easy. Distractions are everywhere. You turn on the TV, you go on the computer... Uh, You can't play uh, a computer game without seeing 15 ads. There's ads, there's distractions, there's commercials everywhere. You go on your email, you've got 100 spam emails a day that range from the most oddball things to sometimes pretty nasty stuff. They just come up on there and it's like, what is this? I didn't sign up for any of these emails. Everyone out there is trying to get your attention. They're trying to sidetrack you from what you're focused on. The other day I saw a gal, a lady riding her bike down the road. And she's just riding her bike down the road, minding her own business. And this car pulls up next to her. And the guy stuck his head out the window and yelled at her. And he goes, cow. And I went, oh, my gosh. And she turned and looked at him. She started yelling back at him. And then she ran smack into the side of that cow. And he told her there was a cow. Where's your focus? What are you looking at? What are you distracted by? Maybe there's a cow in your road and somebody's trying to tell you that. Everyone out there is trying to get your attention and sidetrack you from what you were focused on so they can sell you something or convince you of something or try to get their agenda across to you in some way or another. These days it seems like everybody is trying to force their opinion on you. They're trying to change your mind whether you know it or not. I'll tell you one thing that that really is driving me nuts right now, and that's that it it, it seems like every conversation I have with anybody at some point turns into a political conversation. Seems like you can't just have a normal conversation with somebody anymore. And that's with people that I 100% agree with and people that I 100% disagree with. It doesn't matter. It seems everything goes that way. And I want to warn you this morning because that can be a huge distraction. Right now, it appears that in America, we're, we're about 50-50 split on seems like everything. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of Christians out there that believe the devil is trying to get everybody into whatever political party they're not in. There are Christians who believe if they're Republican, they think that the devil's trying to get everybody to be a Democrat. And if they're a Democrat, they believe the devil's trying to get everybody to be a Republican. That's not the case. I'll tell you what he's trying to do. He would like it to be 50-50. Because when, there's, there's, uh, when there isn't unity, there's discord. There's fighting. There's clashing. There's arguments. There's people going back and forth over some of the most silly, ridiculous things. But it's distracting us from where our focus is supposed to be. We cannot lose our focus on Jesus because of some of these political things. I know there are a lot of people that I talk to that, you know, I'll say, well, you're talking to them. Well, of course I'm a Christian. I'm an American, aren't I? Well, just because you're an American does not make you a Christian, okay? And one of the things that's that worries me right now is we're trying, we're starting to blend the political views and Christian views together, and not in a good way. If your political views do not line up with the Word of God, then they're wrong. We don't make our Christian values based on our political views. We should base everything we do and believe off of the word of God. It's the only thing that is 100% true, 100% right, 100% of the time. I would love it if America would turn back to Christ. Absolutely love it. I would love it if everything would go back to what we call the good old days. But the reality is... Even in the good old days, it wasn't all good. There was still sin. Not everything that has ever happened in America was based on the Bible. And we have to make sure that we base things off of the Bible and not off of our personal desires. I pray that God turns the hearts of Americans. I absolutely do. And I'll continue to pray that, but there may come a day where that's not possible. If you look at at Abraham, when he pleaded with God for Sodom and Gomorrah, he pleaded with them over and over and over. But there came a day where he had to flee. He had to let it go because God said, this is what I'm doing. I don't want that to happen to America. But if it does, I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus and where he's going, not on America and where they're going. Like it or not, the Bible says kings and kingdoms will all pass away. Now, we don't like to hear that because we think, oh, America, number one forever. Well, there's never been a single kingdom on this earth that has lasted forever. They've all passed away. It's when we lose our focus that we lose our support from God. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, and that includes the kingdoms that we build ourselves. The lives that we build, the possessions that we grab, the money that we store up, all of these things, we're creating our own kingdom of which we are the king. And those will pass away. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't store up your treasure on earth. Why? Because that's where your focus will be. I'm focused on building this up. Now I've built it up. I'm focused on protecting this. That's not where our focus should be. When we start putting our treasure in heaven, our focus turns to Jesus. Our focus should always be on Jesus, and then we'll figure out with his help how this world works and how it goes, how to navigate through our lives so that we can spend eternity with him. I want to show you an illustration this morning. I stole this by the way, not the rope, the illustration. I got this illustration from someone else. The rope was not stolen. So this rope represents you. Now pretend like this rope goes on forever and ever. It's an eternal being. It goes on forever. And this white part represents your life on earth. You have a few short years here on earth, and then you have all of this for eternity somewhere else. Some people, all they think about is this part. If I work really hard right here, then I can really relax and enjoy myself right here. And that's their focus. Boy, if I, if I uh, work really hard, make a bunch of money here, my family can have fun here, and then I'll remember God here. What about all of this? What about, what about this? There's millions and millions of years of eternity that all depends on how you live this. This is extremely important but the focus has got to be on this. If I make myself really comfortable here, well, I'm more concerned on this. Because if I look back and say, boy, remember how hard that was? Well, about here, I'll forget how hard this was. Oh, I don't really remember that because of how great this is. This is somewhere. I want mine to be with Jesus in heaven. There are people that look at the way Christians spend their lives and they go, you're really stupid because you wasted this time going to church. You wasted this time praying. You wasted this time reading the word of God. And I want to go, no, you're stupid because you wasted all this time. You didn't think about the future. You didn't focus on the long game. You focused on this little bit. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that, for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, do not, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Sometimes that we forget that when we focus on the finish line, this is the finish line, not this. The finish line is not, well, if I get 10 years of retirement where I can enjoy it and then I can leave my kids some money, then I did great. That's not the finish line. That's the starting line. This is the finish line. Sometimes we forget what we're talking about and that our goal is to reach heaven and bring as many people with us as we can. That's what we're called to do, not to look great here. I would love it if America went back to more uh, having great morals, having uh, good people that help each other and all that stuff. I would love that, but... Just because something looks good on the outside doesn't mean it's godly on the inside. I want to look at Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to read a little bit here uh, and then go back over it. But this is a story of Moses when they're in the wilderness. They're wandering around in the wilderness and Moses met with God. Uh, Exodus 33 starting in verse 1 says, The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are stiff-necked people." When the people heard of this disastrous word, they mourned. And no one put on his ornaments, for the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horab onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside of the camp far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside of the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, each would stand at his tent door, and would watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses, and when all the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people, is it not you're going with us so that we are distinct? And I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Now, what happened here? I wanted to put all of that in there so you could see the whole story unfold. So God had called them and promised them the promised land. He called them out of Egypt and he said, you're going to get the promised land. But at some point, he got sick and tired of them. And he said, listen, I'm just going to do this instead. I'm going to send an angel. I'm going to wipe out everybody between here and there. You just walk behind him. You go there. You live there. You have your happy, fun life, milk and honey, great place to live, whatever. But I'm not going with you. I won't be anywhere near you. I won't be anything a part of it. You go there. Have your life. I'm done. Moses had to choose Do I want everything that I ever wanted here and sacrifice the rest of it? He had the opportunity to have everything on earth that they would have wanted. But he said, no. If you're not going with me, I'm not going. In fact, he said, I won't move from this place until I know where you're going because I know you're here right now I'm not moving unless I'm moving with you. Why was he able to make that decision? The middle part of that, he set up a tent of meeting, out away from distraction, outside of the camp, to a place where God met with him face to face. He knew what the presence of God was like and how powerful and important it was. Therefore, it was a no-brainer to him when God says, I'll give you everything you ever wanted, but accept me. I know what your presence is like. It was so amazing the way that he met with God that when he went to meet with God, everybody went outside their door and watched in amazement as the pillar of cloud came down on the tent and met with Moses. And as soon as that happened, everybody hit their knees and worshipped God. It was powerful to see the presence of God fall like that. So why in the world would he choose anything else? But he had the option. When I think of place here, to live on earth that seems like a perfect place. I think of the town of Mayberry. Anybody, Andy Griffith fans, anybody know Mayberry? I feel like Mayberry would be a great place to grow up, to live, to work, everybody looks out for each other, they just seem to just care about each other. I love watching Andy Griffith, but I've also watched it enough to see some of their church services. <laughs> There's a couple of episodes And uh, I think it would be very difficult to pastor in Mayberry. Because when you have a bunch of people who are doing the right thing, the moral thing, who are helping each other out and not harming anyone, it's hard to convince them that they're sinners. So one good thing I can say about the way that the world is right now, you can tell who the sinners are. It's easy to know who needs Jesus. It's easy to know who we should be talking to. But even there, just because it looks good on the outside does not mean it's godly on the inside. Moses made the right choice. He said, if your presence doesn't go, I'm not moving. He understood the value of the presence of God and the eternal value of being in the will of God. Jeremiah 29, 13 is probably my favorite verse forever. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. All of your heart. Where is your focus? Jesus said, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. So if part of your heart is over here, You won't find me. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. He wants your whole focus. You cannot give into distraction. You can't split God or split time seeking God and seeking something else. There are people who put their, they put money, they put comfort, their families ahead of the things of God and think, well, I'll take care of these things now, and I'll get right with God later. Then there are others who think that being a good Christian means stockpiling money and, and earning enough and taking care of, of everybody financially, and, but they forget that they're supposed to rely on God for those things and let him lead the way. If you follow God's will for your life, he will take care of those things We worry too much about the trivial things and not enough about the eternal things. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. This is the words of Jesus. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put in it or put on is not more than is not life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not more valuable than they for which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life and why are you anxious about clothing consider the lilies of the field how they grow But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is saying we're so worried about the things that are basic everyday needs. And he's going, of course, God knows you need this. God created you. He made you. Do you not think he knows you need to eat? Do you not think he knows what you need? He made you dependent on those things. We sit here, we'll ask him for the big things. We'll ask him for the major things that we have tried to fix or tried to do, and we can't do it anymore. But we forget to ask him for the small things. Those are the things that he's... Don't worry about this stuff. Now, am I saying go sit at home and don't go to work and just sit there and expect somebody to give you everything? Not at all. But if something in your life goes not the way that you thought it would, trust God. He's the one that's going to make it right. Do not be distracted by the little things. Don't let one little thing pull your attention away from the big picture. This is what happened to Martha in the Bible. You remember the story of Mary and Martha? Martha. Martha's worried. Uh, She's in there cooking and cleaning while Jesus is at the house. And she finally says to Jesus, would you tell my sister Mary to get in here and help me? And Jesus is going, hello. Jesus in the room. Do you not get it? The pots and pans can wait. Jesus is in the room. Why have you lost your focus and put it in the trivial? When Jesus was physically in the room, I mean, if Jesus walked through the door right now, I should hope that you'd all stop listening to me and turn around. I'd stop talking. I'll tell you that. But he was physically in the room and her mindset was still, I've got to look good. The the house has to look good. We've got to make sure the food's out on time. We've got to make sure this. And he's going, stop. Don't let the little things distract you. It's like if you went on a vacation. Say you went someplace amazing, someplace just beautiful, you're there for 10 days, okay? You're in this beautiful, amazing place. On day two, you drop your cell phone and you crack your screen. Are you done? Are you gonna be able to enjoy your vacation in a beautiful place or are you gonna think about your screen for the next eight days? Is that all you're gonna be focused on? I can't believe I broke that screen. 4 or 5 days later, can you believe I broke that screen? Hello. Do you not see where you are and what's around you? Don't worry about that. That can wait. Don't Sometimes we get so sidetracked and consumed by small distractions that we forget who God is and what he's done for us. A few months ago, I I changed jobs and when I left my job, I had worked on commission and I got bonuses for stuff and when I left I put in my two weeks and my paycheck came and it was it was short and I said well that's kind of weird so I called the boss and he goes yeah that's our mistake we'll pay it out Um, okay great so I worked out my two weeks I got my last paycheck and that money didn't appear and I went okay now it was a fairly substantial amount of money I mean it wasn't just a couple hundred dollars it was a pretty substantial amount of money and I called him back and he said oh yeah that's our mistake we're gonna fix that okay gave him another week well I talked to the big boss and he said yeah we're gonna do that okay gave him another week and I call accounting I send an email back and forth a couple of months they stopped taking my phone calls they stopped responding to my emails and I'm going, okay, and it was driving me nuts. And I complained about it. And I probably told some people I shouldn't have told about it. And finally, one day when I was just in my alone time with God, I said, God, I'm tired of worrying about this. And it's not like I need this to survive, okay? I'm not going to go hungry if I don't have it. But I did put in the work, and I put the, I'd put i like to see it. And I just said, okay, God, here's the thing. You're just... You're God. You're the one that provides for me anyway. It's yours. I don't want it anymore. Take the worry away. I'm not going to think about it again. I gave it up. I didn't think about it again. A week later, my new boss comes up to me. And he says, hey, you're doing a great job. You're getting a raise. I'd been there for three months. And it's not because I was owed a raise, it's not because they do a 90-day raise. He just said, you're doing a great job. You're getting a raise. Well, this raise is four times the amount of what I was owed. So now every year that I'm with the company, I get paid four times the amount that the other company shorted me. So every three months, God is repaying that that I let go of. Now, am I going to sit here and say, listen, you're, you know, just let go of it. You'll be rich. Absolutely not. Here's the other thing. When I was praying about that, one of the things I've been praying for for a while is that God will make me more generous. And I think I'm fairly generous now, but I keep asking God, show me, give me opportunities, show me ways that I can be more generous. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when I gave that up and asked for that, that God provided more. And I think that it's going to be based on, hey, if I'm more generous with what he's giving me, he'll reward me. So, I have to keep that mindset. It's not just, oh, cha-ching, that's mine now. Let's go out and throw a big party or, you know, buying a new car or whatever. No, I'm. That money's earmarked for the Lord. Okay, God, now you show me where you want me to put that. I'm going to sow that money back in so that I can reach people for the Lord. To be clear now, I'm not saying having money or owning things is wrong. Not saying that. These things in themselves are not sin, but when we allow them to distract us from our focus on Jesus, then we got to get them out of there. We got to get them out of our life. We got to get rid of anything that will pull our focus away. We can't allow things that will take our focus off of Jesus to be part of our life anymore. The Bible says we're to cast them off. It says get rid of them. The Old Testament says, or uh, it says in the Bible, if, you, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Let me put that in modern day for you. If your iPad causes you to sin, throw it away. If your cable TV causes you to sin, close your account. If getting on the internet causes you to sin, cancel it. It's not worth the distraction and pulling you away from Christ. It's not worth it. The things that we consider to be necessities now, well, I've got to have internet, I've got to have this, I've got to have that. It's not a necessity. People lived for thousands of years without it. If it's causing you to sin, get it out of your life. It seems extreme these days to say some of that, but it's true. Someone asked me a question the other day, another Christian, and they asked me how to handle the situation as a Christian. And I answered them by quoting Scripture. And I didn't say, well, Scripture says, or, well, this chapter, this verse, I just answered them back with the words of Jesus. And they looked at me and said, well, that's a little extreme, don't you think? I said, well, that's... The direct quote from Jesus, so <laughs> uh, I don't know where you want me to go with that. The things that Jesus taught now we find extreme because we're our minds are so cluttered up with the stuff that this world is dumping into us. We have to keep our focus. Like it or not, the things that Jesus said are still truth. No matter that's 2021, doesn't matter. Jesus still spoke the truth. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Get rid of the distractions and the sin in your life. Put your focus on Jesus where it should be. Get rid of everything that hinders. Now, we can, we can see obvious things. Okay, There are certain things we, we go, oh yeah, that's, that's obvious. you know. If you've got a, a gambling problem, you don't say, we're having poker night at my house, but I'll just sit and watch. If you've got uh, a problem with alcohol, you don't fill your cupboards full of alcohol and just sit there and look at it. Obviously not. We get it on the big things. But we don't always see it in the little things. Things that are acceptable American behavior. Next Sunday, um, missionary Jeff Anderson is going to be here. Um, last year when he was here, uh, we had a fantastic conversation after church. We were talking about uh, missions and, and thing, uh, doing things in other countries and what we're doing. and um, We just had a great, we've, we've talked a couple times on email and stuff since. Um, he's trying to get me over to the Philippines. Said last time, that he goes, what's hindering you from doing it? And I said, I don't have a passport, and that's it. It's not updated. So guess what? I updated it, so I'm ready to go. I can't wait to talk to him next week. But the, one of the things we were talking about was the difference between America and the things you see in other countries. And we started talking back and forth about stuff that when we went on overseas, what we got rid of when we got home, things we don't have anymore, um, things that we just don't put our value in anymore. And he's the only other person that I think I've ever talked to that doesn't own a dining room or kitchen table, me and Jeff Anderson. <laughs> I said, I don't need it. I got rid of it. And he goes, us too. We don't need it either. We've, we decided we could spend the money on something else. I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm with you. But we talked about seeing things that you don't see here. I remember when I went to to Mexico that's been a while ago now but some of the stuff that I saw there just blew my mind you see as Christians sometimes we have these expectations that we should have everything that we want just because we're Christians Um, that's not in the Bible I remember I worked for a a Christian bookstore at one point, and we would do, uh, they gave a a discount to pastors at the Christian bookstore. But then people would come in and say, Well, I go to this church and I'm a Christian. Do I get a discount? It's like, No. What, I'm a Christian? Yeah, you're kind of our clientele. It's a Christian bookstore. We don't get a lot of people in here going, I'm a Satanist. I'd like to buy some Christian books. It's like, No, you don't get a discount just because you're a Christian. No. But sometimes Christians, we feel like we're owed something or we should be above and beyond successful over other people uh, based on the things of this world. And I believe one of the biggest things that we have in, in America is we have this distraction of comfort, we love to be comfortable. Comfort in the way we live, things that we have, we've got multiple vehicles, we've got to have air conditioning We've got to have luxuries that we consider must-haves that other places in the world don't have at all. We can buy things just because they're on sale. Whether or not we'll ever use them, doesn't matter. It was on sale, bought it. We want comfort in our bank account. We don't need to rely on other people or even God for finances if we have money in the bank. We like comfort in having many different clothing styles. And all kinds of clothes in our closet to choose from we like having a refrigerator full of food even though we waste a lot of it when i went to mexico i couldn't look at things the same when i came back we went to juarez mexico and took a group of teenagers down there on a missions trip and we didn't just go into the city we went out in the sticks way out we were doing like we'd basically just go out until we saw a bunch of kids then we'd do a pop-up VBS for them. We didn't even know where we are going sometimes. You just go until you see people. And I saw people who lived in things I wouldn't even call houses. They were pallets nailed together with a uh, sheet or a tarp for a front door. That was it. Pallets have slats in them. When the wind blows, all the dirt goes right through them. And there's people living in these areas. And the one thing that I will never forget my whole life, we were doing this, um, we just stopped on the side of the road and we were um, doing a VBS for kids and doing balloon animals and whatever, and these kids are just coming out everywhere. And I said, why are there so many people? Like, out here, this is a weird area to be in. And they said, well, this is one of the areas where um, what happens is the, the men will go over to Texas to work, to earn money and they'll send money back but more often than not they enjoy the comforts of america and they just forget about their families they just leave them there and they just disappear somewhere else they get remarried they whatever and they just leave and so these are the women and children that have nothing and nobody to care for them and at the end of this vbs one of the things they did is we had um, we had some bags of rice we had some potatoes some things like that and at the end, they said to all the kids, okay, grab one of the leaders and take them to your house, and they're going to bring food to your house. And they did that, and these two little boys each grabbed my hand, and they just, they were beaming. They were like, ha, you know, we got, we're going to get something, taken home. And the one little boy, I went back to his house, and he went inside, and I had a translator with me, and she's like, oh, he's telling his mom that he he went out, and he found food, and he brought food back. And I just saw... It was a, like an old blanket hanging for a door, and an arm came out to take it. And I'm like telling the translator, I'm like, oh, get her. Like, I want to meet her. You know, I want to talk to her. I want to order. And she goes, she said something back and forth. She goes, no. She said, she's so ashamed she can't show you her face because of where she lives. And I'm telling you, it broke my heart. And I can't live the same way after that. When I left, I took out my wallet to the pastor and I just said, here. Gave him everything I still had. At the time, I wasn't, I was probably working two jobs. I wasn't making a lot of money. I don't even know if I had a savings account. And I'm going, don't care. If I don't have any money for food tomorrow, I got a million things at home I could sell and get rid of. I can make a ton of money by selling all my stuff. I'm like, these people don't have anything to sell. And one thing it did, and I'm not trying to guilt you into anything today, but it pulled my focus right back to where it should be. When I read that about God providing your everyday food and clothes, it's hard to fathom that until you go somewhere where people are literally praying that somebody will bring them food. It blows your mind. I have to stop basing what I'm doing and how successful I am as a Christian based on everybody else. We've got to stop looking at everybody else and saying, well, at least I give more money than they do. Well, percentage-wise, they're richer than I and Let them take care of those people. At least I'm not doing the same sins that they're doing. I'm a lot better than them. We don't compare based on somebody else. We compare based on what Jesus called us to be. That's what we need to be focused on. And I just touched this and it just went away. We've got to stop basing it on comparing with other people. We have to keep our focus on the Bible and what God's called us to be. We're called to be like Jesus. What did Jesus own? Where did Jesus live? Now, I'm not saying go home and sell everything you've got and you know, live on the side of the road. But perspective. You know, Jesus said, the birds of the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have anything on this earth that was keeping him focused on here. His focus was the cross in saving us. And he saw it all the way through. He didn't get distracted by anything else. Don't get distracted by the things this world is offering today. Focus everything on Jesus and he will come through for you. I guarantee it. Don't let the distractions of this world draw your attention away from him. Focus on him. Not on this. Focus on the long run. You're somewhere in this part right now there's still time change your focus if you're still over here great you got more time if you're over here get your focus going I know it's kind of a heavy thing to think about it's not really a fun-loving sermon but it's what God's been laying on my heart and he's been working in my heart with this and I know that this stuff is going on. It breaks my heart to watch people just completely turn away from God because they're so entangled in this other garbage. We've got to keep our focus. It's time to flush out, cast off all that other stuff. doesn't matter. I would rather sacrifice more than I need to in this time to get a bigger reward in this time. I hope I encourage you in this today and not just be a downer because that's not my goal. But I believe that God has something in store for us and something great that he can do through us. But we have to, as a church, little church and big church, Focus on him so that we get it right. We need everybody on the same page so we can move forward and do great things for God. I really believe that he's got great things coming, but we've got to be on the same page. We have to be focused, moving forward, working together. you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much for, God, for a a church family we can come alongside each other, encourage each other, God, that we can help each other. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will help us to see with your eyes, God, to focus on you and the important things in this life. Lord Jesus, let me not be distracted by the things this world has to offer, but to continue to press in, to know you, and to make you known. Jesus, I pray for opportunities for each and every one of us. God, to get those alone times with you and to make them worthwhile, God, by passing it on to somebody else. Lord Jesus, I do want to see America turn around and a revival to come. Lord Jesus, start it right here. God, help us to all get on the same page in unity, following you. Help us to cast off all the things that hinder and pull us back. Lord Jesus, I just pray.